if you think of it, all the things that robots are very good at, humans suck and hate doing, and everything that uh, humans are good at, robots don't know how to do. Let's face it, they don't know how to do. So I see that as a partnership between humans and robots, whereby the robots empowering humans by automating all the manual, non-strategic type of activities, so humans can focus on what they really like doing and good at doing. Welcome to episode 39 of The Future of Work, the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future. We release two podcasts a month featuring industry experts and thought leaders discussing how work is changing and evolving. The future of work is now. This show is brought to you by Wanda for their blog, Chaos and Rocket Fuel. Wanda are productivity and human behavior specialists whose mission is to break legacy behaviors before they destroy your team's professional productivity and personal health. And you can check them out at wanda.com. That's W-N-D-Y-R.com. Our podcasts are available on all main platforms. If you find this content of value, please follow and share. I'm Doug Folks, and today with Wanda CEO Claire Haydar, we meet up with Ilan Kassan, co-founder and CEO at Exceed.ai. With deep expertise in AI, user experience and SaaS, Ilan has had a 20-year career in engineering, general management and product management for leading global technology companies including Cisco, WebEx, Comeet and others. Exceed is a company that is disrupting traditional marketing and sales by using AI to reduce the cost of acquiring sales leads by up to 79% and saving up to 35% of sales reps' costs. And trust me, we'll find out how they do that shortly. We will also get Ilan's experience of working in both Silicon Valley and Israel's Silicon Wadi. Why Ilan thinks AI is here to help us humans and not replace us and where, in general, the future of work is heading. But first, let's briefly explore the difference between a technologist and a product engineer. I don't see myself as a technology-first person. I would refine it and say that I'm more of a product-first. A technologist always is looking at, okay, how the best, you know, what technologies are out there, what type of economy of scale they give us, uh, how to build the best product, the scalable product at the lower cost. And I think a product guy is looking at how can I build something that people can actually use and see value and how can I delight users. And a good product guy understands the technology very well. I am a technologist uh, by training, but really says, understands that the end user doesn't care about the technology. He cares about the values that uh, you can realize from the technology. It, to me, it's all about product, and product is about utility, and utility is about creating value. Technology is the how, sorry, is how you build it and how you, the, the magic that happens behind the scenes. Elan, nice to meet you. You currently live in Israel, which is a beautiful country, and certainly the right place to be if you're a technologist. Just take us into your world, if you don't mind. Share with us you know, what it's like the smells, the sounds, the shapes, everything around you. How is working and doing business in Israel different from living and working in the U.S.? 
Great. So first of all, uh, just background for the audience. I lived 15 years in Silicon Valley near San Jose and worked for several startups and large companies such as WebEx and Cisco in the Valley. And then I moved back to Israel seven years ago. So I moved from one tech center to another tech center. And I just read the statistics today that when you rationalize Israel based on the population, we have the highest number of unicorns in the world. And sure. specifically recently, we've uh, Israel seems to be generating a lot of uh, uh, unicorns. Just in the last a year, I think there were several, maybe five, six IPOs, uh, just tech IPOs just from Israel. So in many regards, you know, I moved from one technology hub to another technology hub, but obviously there is a lot of differences. Israel obviously is a, <laughs> I would say it's a smaller, it's a smaller country. I don't really do business here. I develop and I recruit, but we do business in the UK and we do business in the US. And like most technology companies in Israel, we build everything here that we sell overseas, mostly to the US, but other, other countries. And what I would say is that here it feels much more of a community than at least in Silicon Valley, just because it's smaller and you tend to know people from high school, from university, from the military. So everything, everybody around you are people that you kind of were, you, you crossed passes with them in the past. As opposed to Silicon Valley, which is a lot of immigrants, uh, both domestic immigrants and external immigrants who came to the U.S. and created that community. So it's more of a melting pot. And in Israel, it's more kind of uh, friends and family and people you know uh, all coming together and creating new stuff. And Israel right now, I would say, is hushing and gushing when it comes to tech. There was a time where hiring talent here was relatively easy and it was cheaper, but the gaps are slowly closing compared to the U.S. Uh, in terms of uh, smells, it's, it's, you know, first of all, corona-wise, Israel is open. A huge percentage of the population is vaccinated, and we feel kind of uh, lucky <laughs> to live in Israel in a place where uh, vaccination was made a priority. We just came back to work, so until now we had like uh, once or twice a week uh, come to work. Right now we changed our policy back to you can work from home once a week versus you can you need to come to work once a week. And I'm really, really enjoying it, even though it's a little bit of a hassle to come to work every day, just because it's nice to see people every day. It's nice to, you know, be together with people, to brainstorm, to pick somebody's brain, to have side conversations. And I, I now understand how much I missed it. Is it a fair question to ask you, which one do you prefer, the U.S. or Israel? I miss the U.S. a lot. And before the corona, I used to travel there very often, almost spent 50% of my time there. Business-wise, marketing-wise, sales-wise, you know, customer support-wise, you know, we plan to move more of our operations into the U.S. because that's where the market is. I like both places. I feel like I have two homes. They're very, very different. I think career-wise and opportunity-wise, I think Silicon Valley still provides more options. Uh, but family and friends-wise, I think Israel is much more family or tribal oriented and you know when when i'm here i miss the u.s when i was in the u.s i missed israel so i would say 50 50. that's a nice position to be in okay elon we're moving into like the really exciting part of this conversation where i want to get talking about exceed so i would definitely place exceed and what you and the team are doing there on the forefront of ai 
And before we dive more specifically into Exceed and, you know, the, the practicality of what you guys are doing, I'd like to talk at a more high level about AI in general. So there's a lot of scaremongering going on about, you know, how AI is going to replace jobs. And what I'd really like to hear from you as someone who's building a tool that is in many ways disrupting a very, very clear industry and jobs in that industry. What scares and delights you about AI right now? All right, so let me start with kind of my perspective on AI before I jump into what scares me, what delights me. So, you know, the robots are coming, the robots are coming to help, not to replace. I don't see, at least in the space that we are at, which is sales, marketing, customer success, I don't see the robots replacing humans. Robots are good at, you know, automating manual repetitive tasks. They fast. They can process a lot of data. They never get tired. They never leave their jobs. They're persistent. There's a lot of good things that robots can do. And humans are very good at, you know, feeling empathy, understanding nuance, having relationships, talking to people, selling. Those are things that robots are far, far, far from getting even close to that. And I think that in our lifetime, I don't think we'll see robots replacing humans in that capacity at least. So if you think of it, all the things that robots are very good at, humans suck and hate doing. And everything that uh, humans are good at, robots don't know how to do. Let's face it, they don't know how to do. So I see that as a partnership between humans and robots whereby the robots empowering humans by automating all the manual, non-strategic type of activities so humans can focus on what they really like doing and good at doing. So I don't see here any big, nothing, I don't have any fear that I don't think any, anybody's coming to take any, you know, somebody else's job. The opposite, the robots are here to help and make people more productive. That's very interesting, Ilan. So we've spoken a bit around it and we've sort of, you know, got to the edges of it, but let's get practically down to what Exceed does. How is it replacing jobs and how is it creating jobs? Okay, what's the problem we're actually solving for companies? And then I will explain uh, how Exceed solves the problem. And I think it'll uh, be clear from that how, it, you know, how this partnership is created between, between human and robots. A lot of companies spend a lot of money to generate leads. Obviously, that accelerated during the corona. But it also the price of generating online leads has increased because more and more people are moving to uh, digital and that obviously increasing uh, the price and the cost of acquisition. So companies spend all this money in generating the leads. They spend a lot of energy to try and get something out of them. And most of them do an okay job in, you know, following up and, and working those leads who are ready to buy now and want to talk to somebody. Most companies do a good job. But I think when most companies struggle, is with the rest of the lead, which is maybe the 90% of the leads. Those are leads who are in different stages of the buying journey. They could be just the research, consideration, awareness. And the challenge there is that typically salespeople don't like talking with people who are very early in the journey. And sales don't like getting leads which are not ready for sales. Marketing always tries to identify which of those leads are ready for sales, which ones are ready to talk. And what they don't like doing is passing unqualified leads to sales. That's the worst thing that can happen. Why? Because sales gets frustrated. Why are you sending me those people? And marketing is measured based on how many qualified leads they provide to sales. 
And if you look at the message today of what marketing are doing to solve this problem, they do lead scoring. And they do lead scoring because they can't talk to every lead. They don't exactly know where they are and if they're ready for sales yet. So they use, so they score it based on things like, uh, you know, the profile, thermographics, uh, and some other, and maybe engagement metrics on the website. Oh, they downloaded the white paper, so they must, and, uh, and if his profile seems a good profile, he must be ready to talk to sales. But the reality is that that's uh, not true. And by doing so, two things can happen. You're either going to overscore a lead, and then you're going to send an unqualified lead to sales, or you're going to underscore a lead, and then you're going to miss out on a, on a, on a lead. So in an ideal world, if marketing could have talked to every lead, asked them what do they need, where are they in their journey, are they ready to talk to sales, make sure to follow up with them based on how they want to engage, provide them provide them the right content, but do it in a form of a conversation over email or chat or SMS. That would be an ideal world, but marketing cannot do it because marketing works one too many. They're not designed to have one-on-one conversations. And that's where Exceed comes in. What we identified is that when you look at the initial stages of how leads engage with a company and how you want to nurture a lead or how you want to approach a lead, those initial engagements are 90% exactly the same. It almost doesn't matter what you're selling. Think of it. You can just replace uh, the product name. Uh, you know, if somebody signs up for a demo, uh, you might want to, and you're unsure if it's a good fit, you might want to follow up with a question. Uh, maybe that lead might might be you know qualifying you, so you might say, hey, before I jump on a call, can you tell me a little bit about your business model? Can you send me more information? Can you share with me a case study? Do you have a free trial? Those questions repeat themselves, and it almost doesn't matter what you're selling. It might change based on industry, so different industries might have a different type of questions, and how each company would answer those questions would be different. But those interactions are very, very similar. I'll give you more examples. Sometimes leads will say, look, I'm not quite ready yet. I'm just doing my research. Drop me a line next quarter. Happens all the time. Okay. There's no reason why humans have to deal with this. You want to schedule a meeting. It's a lot of back and forth to try and find a good time to meet. All those tasks that I described now, we identified are very similar across multiple industries and multiple companies. We trained exceed to identify those type of interactions and we can automate it. So what succeed? We are actually a virtual sales development prep or a virtual sales assistant that can do the initial engagement with those leads over email. It knows to identify, you know, it knows to follow up, it knows to nurture, and it knows to identify when the lead is ready to talk to a human. It will then go ahead and qualify that lead based on your, on the company's playbook and then book the meeting on the calendar. I'm just going to take a 10 second break to ask you if you're finding this podcast of value. If you are, please follow us on your platform of choice. Remember, we have new content published twice a month. We sell mainly into marketing. On the receiving side of the product are typically sales. It could be SDRs or sales reps. The reps see meetings on the calendar, typically meetings with leads that were qualified. I'll give an example. If somebody signs up to see a demo at Exceed, we don't show everybody a demo. Why? Because it, it takes time. It, it takes resources from our sales team. So we qualify them. So our virtual assistant will respond and say, thank you very much for signing up for a demo. Before we jump on a call, I had a quick question. How many leads do you engage per month? Based on how they answer, we'll know whether to pass it over to sales or maybe send them a different route. 
What would you say, Ilan, then is the difference between conversational AI and, say, just a normal chatbot? Is there a big difference? Is it something that one can cross over from one to the other? Conversational AI, how most people understand it, is a chatbot that is designed for marketing teams and the like, and they put a nice uh, kind of sexy name, conversational AI. What we are focused on is on email conversations. And email conversations are very, very different than chat conversations. Chat conversations are typically very transactional. They happen in a short time on the website and typically are designed for those leads who are ready to talk now with sales and want to see a demo. But the reality is that most of the conversations happen over email. Most of the communications happen over email. And email is an asynchronous type of communication. So we can have discussions with leads that can go on for, for a year even. And those things are all automated until they're ready to talk to a human and then we schedule the meeting. Based on how people respond, we start cleaning up to CRM. So, for example, if somebody leaves the company and you get a soft bounce, we mark that as left company. We can identify who the new contact is, reach out to the new contact and update the CRM. If somebody changed the role, we can update it in the CRM. We collect information from how they answered questions, how they um you know, the signatures, any type of information we can collect and we update the CRM. Today, if somebody says, hey, look, it's not a priority for me, but next quarter we're interested in talking to you guys, a human today has to go, put a reminder in the calendar and make sure to follow up. We can completely automate it. And as you know, humans typically, especially salespeople, most of them like thinking about the now and not what, not a potential deal that might happen in six or nine months. Some call it conversational marketing. I'm just, I just think that there's kind of a shift in the industry now where we're moving from one-way communication to two-way communication. We're replacing forms with chat. We're replacing one-way email with two-way email. It's very clear that what you guys are focusing on in Exceed is that robotic skill sets and removing that out of the human workflow, which frees the human up to really focus on the relational building and all those things that humans are really good at. How much time is are humans spending right now on that non-relational stuff? And how does a product like Exceed come in and actually reduce that? And how are humans then coming back and actually like, filling that up with other stuff. So I can give you some data from some of our customers. We had one customer, a big public company, that they, according to the case study we did with them, they saved a 79% reduction in the cost of a sales qualified lead. Okay, so they measured it uh, based on based on cost. Okay, 79%. Right, and it comes mainly from the humans the human cost, which is the most expensive resource. If you think of it, typically the most expensive part is not software, not media spend. In most companies and most businesses is humans. And where did this come from? It came from the fact that they got they get a lot of leads. A lot of the leads are not real leads. Not all of them are ready. Some are not qualified, period. Some are just not ready to buy, and some are ready to buy. And when you have such a big volume, just understanding who is ready and who is not, requires sometimes people to follow up, pick up the phone, have some conversations over email, maybe then if they qualify, then meet them. So we can take all this part and just completely automate it. I wouldn't say 100% automation because at the end of the day, robots are good at what they were taught to do. And when there is a new situation, they're not a first-time encounter, you need a human to help them. But even with that, with minimal intervention of humans, 
we were able to realize a 79% reduction in cost of acquisition. We had another customer, a big company who sells software to SMB. Based on the case study we did with them, they saved 35% of their reps cost. And otherwise, they, they, they measured it based on productivity. So they were able, each rep now was able to have 40% or 39% more meetings. And also those reps don't have to now go all the back and forth and the scheduling and the follow-ups. So they give them more time to have conversations with leads and less time going with all the back and forth, non-strategic type of communication. And another metric which we really like is we're actually able to find more leads from your existing leads. And this is for two reasons. One, because we're able to make sure nothing falls between the cracks. That's human nature. You know, people will forget to follow up. People will will start scheduling. People will start ghosting their sales rep. They, you know, sales rep reps give up. But also, we're now able to process more leads. If you have maybe lower priority leads, maybe leads have gone dark on you, maybe you have some leads in your database you want to not just do a typical nurturing campaign, but you might want to provide them a new offer and automate this whole process. Uh, So we're able to get more out of their existing investments that they have made. So we've seen in one case, again, according to their data, 3x more sales qualified leads in terms of volumes in terms of how many meetings they used to see before. Ilan, the podcast is focused really around the future of work in general. So far, we've focused a little bit on, well, obviously on Exceed and on the sales side of things. How do you see the future of work if you sort of extrapolate that out over all spheres of work? How do you see it developing with the technologies that you and others are are developing at the moment? I believe we're moving to an augmented workforce where you're going to have robots working alongside humans. You're going to see it not only in sales and marketing, you're going to see it in security, you're going to see it in HR, you're going to see it in success. In every area, you're going to have robots who are going to do the heavy lifting. They will alert people. They will ask the humans what they want them to do. Not always they're going to make the decisions, by the way. I think many times their job will mainly to monitor, find, make a recommendation, and execute. But I think in many, many cases, the humans are actually going to make the decisions, especially when you have areas where you need uh, some element of nuance and complexity that robots today do not understand. Context and nuance is something that robots are very bad at. And I think that's where I think we're going. And in every area you're thinking about, even B2C and finance, whatnot, you're going to have an assistant. So every knowledge worker will be paired with an assistant, whether it's a personal or just assistant that looks at a certain function in the organization, and humans are going to operate it. It makes perfect sense, yeah. Let's move on and talk about the competitive landscape. What are the other products like Exceed that are out there, and why did you guys decide to go after the sales vertical? So why was that you know, your, your starting point rather than, for example, marketing or legal or, you know, one of the other areas inside business that is as ripe for disruption as what sales is. And then, you know, if you look at the competitive landscape, what other tools are out there that they should be considering to bring into their workflows to create those cost reductions, but also, you know, create that optimization between what we know the future is going to be and the human capital inside the building. Let me start with explaining uh, why we're doing what we're doing. We do sell to sales and marketing, okay? And we're actually starting to find out that it's easier to sell to marketing because we're giving them 
new capabilities are not able to do today because they typically work one to many and do not have the headcount. Sales are more a user on the receiving side of the software. Now, we do sell to sales as well, but we noticed is that sales, it's harder to sell to sales. There's all sorts of reasons. But I think one reason we saw is that psychologically it's a little strange to them. Like once in a sales call, we were talking to the head of SDR, and then he popped the question, so who exactly are you replacing? And I had to dodge this question because I'm not, yeah, of course I didn't say I'm replacing him. I said, look, we're not replacing, we're making your team more productive. You know, a mature company understands that you don't have to fire people. You can repurpose them. You can uh, make them more productive. But some people are immature and see it as a threat sometimes. So that's why we decided to focus on uh, marketing. We see it's easier to sell. Uh, they're much more open to new technologies. With sales, it's a little different story. So I would say 30% sales, 70% marketing. But on the receiving side, even when we sell to marketing, it's always uh, sales who sees the meetings on their calendar. So they are users of the system, but they're not necessarily the functional group who bought the product. In terms of the uh, landscape, so obviously mar- the marketing and sales vertical doesn't suffer from lack of attention. There are plenty of solutions out there. Many of them designed to solve different parts of the funnel, lead scoring, AI for content, in, you know, intent data, ABM platforms, marketing automation, CRM, chatbots, SMS marketing, personalization. There's many, many, many tools out there. And it is a confusing landscape for a lot of marketers. And I think that at the end of the day, probably they're going to be a consolidation Okay, and I think people want to buy one platform that will have all the pieces. In terms of competition, I mean, the obvious one a lot of people are comparing us to is Drift. But Drift is really only focused on chat. We also have a chat, and we actually don't sell, or we prefer not to sell our chat as a standalone. We typically sell it as part of our platform. And what most of our companies come to us for is for our two-way email automation solution, which is unique and different, and there's very little... Very few companies actually know to do what we are doing. And a chat is an add-on. Okay, you buy a platform, by the way, you'll give you chat as well. And if you have a drift, you can replace. If you don't, you don't have to. If you don't, you can use Exceed or you can continue to use Drift. So we try not to compete with them. I think that chat today doesn't have a lot of technology. It's really a rule-based decision tree. There's not much NLP, especially in marketing and sales. And I think it's going to be very, very competitive. It's easier to do. There's much, there's many, many players over there. And we decided not to, not to play in that field. So on the email side, there are definitely a lot of solutions out there that know how to send emails and they are much more cheaper than Exceed. So if you're just looking for a tool to send emails or to do outbound prospecting, Exceed is not for you. If you're looking for real two-way email communication, you really want to offload a lot of the heavy lifting of going back and forth, qualifying, following up, scheduling meetings, that's where Exceed Excel, and that's where we are different from all the email solutions out there. Direct competition, there is one main competitor which we see in accounts, and that's a company called Conversica, which I would say are a 15-year-old company, uh, have been around the block for uh, a longer time. They're a bigger company from us, but you know, again, they have a lot of respect to them because they, in some regards, created this market. But we know and believe that we have the better product, the better technology stack, stack because from day one we built it for that purpose. 
on modern technology and uh, and, uh, and a modern kind of AI machine learning stack. That stat that you shared with us, like a 79% in reduction of cost there of like lead is just like, that is, that's scary data. Um, scary good for you, um, but scary in that if you're, if exceed in the early stages that it's in is able to create that, that shows you how much work humans are doing that they shouldn't be doing. Tell us where you want to disrupt next. Where are you guys going to go next? I mean, I know there's a lot of work to be done in marketing. I know there's a lot of work to be done in sales. But if you, you know, kind of pull things forward, assume great success, where do you disrupt next? We want to be the platform that automates all communications in the organization. Maybe we just focus on external communication. So what other type of communications do you have? So you have kind of inbound marketing in the funnel. You have... Upsells, you have renewals, you have uh, renewals, by the way, it's customer success. It's a whole different exercise here, right? Renewals is typically money on the table. Nobody wants to do renewals. It's a lot of work, especially when you have a transactional or SMB type of business. Uh, What you want to do is you want to build some sort of a system which can automate that and just identify which ones are at risk and then get a human involved only in those who are at risk. So that's a great use case for us. And maybe there's an opportunity for things like even HR, recruiting, talking with uh, applicants and automate a lot of this back and forth, initial even qualification and meeting scheduling. So there's a lot of use cases around communication that happen between organizations and I would say, I don't say always customers, it doesn't have to be customers and their stakeholders. And maybe you can even take it internally in the organization as well. I'm going to ask you to to leave us with one piece of advice. If you'd have a piece of advice for high school students, let's leave the C-suite and the executives for today. But for high school students and who are coming into a, a world of work, what should they be thinking about? I think that the best way to develop personally, and it almost doesn't matter what you're doing, is go work for somebody and a company that... One, a good company that know that you know is growing, and and second, somebody who has experience and knows what he's doing, because where I learned most is from other people, and second, and very close to that is by just doing my own mistakes. You need to work in a place where they will allow you to do your own mistakes. So looking at other people's mistakes, you learn from your boss's mistakes, <laughs> you learn from your own mistakes, and you having a good mentor and a boss, I think, is the most important thing. And there's no point in trying to rush your career advancement with fancy titles. Go and do several, you know, entry-level jobs. Don't do the same one, you know, for six years, but try and change around you. I don't know if you want marketing or engineering and find people you can learn from. That's, to me, the number one um, lesson of how I would start my career. I would give another advice, just in advice in getting stuff done. We tend to very easily get buried in our day-to-day. And sometimes you find yourself that all you've done is you answered emails all day. Like you actually didn't get anything done. So I would try and uh, set yourself a target every day to do one big thing. And this one big thing can sometimes be one step towards a bigger goal uh, that you make sure you accomplish. And then you can do all the rest, you know, kind of the day-to-day. But always pick one thing that is... Okay, today I'm going to do this. And if I haven't done that, I, this day was not productive because emails, 
and small stuff and tactical stuff you're going to have every day, doesn't matter how many hours you're going to work. Elon, thank you so much for this conversation. As as always, I I really do respect your your insights and how you lead from the problem that you're solving. It's always been one of the hallmarks of the conversations that I have with you is let's get back to the problem. What's the problem? What's the problem? How are we going to solve the problem? And I remain very excited about what you guys are doing. You really are disrupting. It was amazing for me hearing you say, you know, that you want to essentially disrupt internal communication completely, which just makes total sense. Looking at the career trajectory that you've built for yourself and, and you know, that you're still on, it's, it's totally in line from where you've come and where you're going. It, nobody better suited to doing it than you. So thank you very much. It was great uh, talk, uh, talking to you again. We haven't spoken for a while and uh, pleasure talking to you and Doug about uh, my worldview, <laughs> and my view of the industry, AI, and of course succeed in what we're doing. And I believe that, you know, I like starting small and solving one small hairy problem and then growing from there to other areas. So that's our long-term plan. Elan, thank you. Thanks very much. And that's where we'll leave it today. Elan Kassan and Exceed, using AI to help free us humans of the repetitive work we hate so we can do more of the things we're good at. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, we'd appreciate it if you'd follow us on your preferred platform and share this with your friends and colleagues. Just a reminder for more information about Wanda and the integration services that they supply, you can visit their website, that's wndyr.com. And so, as always, from me, Doug Folks, and Chaos and Rocket Fuel, stay safe, and we'll see you soon.